Coming to you from somewhere along the Ohio-West Virginia border, welcome hitchhikers to Nostalgia Highway. The movies you know from the guys you don't were the no-frills, no-bullshit bi-weekly movie review podcast, where we are bringing to you the middle entry of the John Carpenter Apocalypse Trilogy. So, without further delay, let's start this road trip to a rundown Los Angeles church basement to investigate a cylinder of green satanic goo with the help of the Brotherhood of Sleep. Sound good, guys? Absolutely. You don't have to bring your own candle. <laughs> no, it's well lit. Very. I promise you. <laughs> I am your host, the Mayor, Matt Logston, and joining me for episode 35, Out Here on the Highway, are my co-hosts who know exactly where Susan, the radiologist with glasses, is. I don't. Oh. You don't know? Yeah. I mean, current day? Everybody knows. Come on, man. Whatever, we'll figure it out. Okay, nobody knows. This podcast. <laughs> what the hell is anyway, you? I'm Dave King of the Road. And I am the Lord Ketchum. Tonight, we are reviewing Prince of Darkness from 1987. This movie's written by John Carpenter as Martin Quatermass. Is that how you say it? Quata? It's actually Catermass. Oh, the Catermass? I say yes. I like Quatermass. It sounds Quata- like that. I like Quatermass. It sounds more Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, over yeah. in Boston. Yeah. 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 It's it's funny. Uh, this is actually a pseudonym that he paid homage to Professor Bernard Catermass, who is the lead character of the Catermass Experiment from 1953. Quatermass Experiment. The Quatermass. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this was uh, you know supposed to be a... Uh, a little nod. Yeah, a little pseudonym. I don't know. He just didn't want to take credit for it, I guess. Well, that's... But people found out, kind of like with Richard Bachman, with Stephen King. As soon as you heard the song, as soon as you heard the theme, well, you and know who it's directed Carpenter. it? Well, yeah. when you see the font and the right. title credits, you know, yeah, it's classic. Yeah, but yeah, this movie's written and directed by John Carpenter. It's distributed by Universal Pictures and is rated R. Combining religion and science elegantly, Carpenter gives us a story of a mysterious cylinder inside of a broken-down church with active green liquid, deadly bugs, and homeless people amok. A team of scientists must battle the forces of evil to stop an upcoming apocalypse. Yep. So this movie, you know, gives us Dennis Dunn as Walter. He's back from Big Trouble in Little China. I liked him in that. Yeah, like, he had a much bigger role in that movie. I liked him more in that than I liked him in this. Yeah, because he's kind of he's kind of the comedy relief, and he does okay at it. But there were times where it was just like it didn't really work. I didn't think. 
He was a little pushy, I guess. He's constant. He's annoying towards women, I guess. You know, yes, constantly. Yeah, but yeah, he was more fun in Big Trouble in Little China. Sure. Yeah. We get Lisa Blount as Catherine Danforth. We get the great Victor Wong as Professor Barrick. The... Also from Big Trouble in Little China. Yep. And Three Ninjas. I've never seen Three Ninjas, oh. Dude, but I do what? know it, that it didn't. That came out. I was too. I, old. I didn't. I no, it came out that. when we were the right age. It, I well, it ne- it did never appeal to me. Wow. Never seen it. Nowadays, so if you rewatch it, have you watched it? Oh yeah, I've seen both it and Strikes okay. Back. Well, there's like four of them, bro. Oh well, there's only two that had yeah. the original. In yeah. Hulk Hogan, a bad guy. Hulk Hogan is in one. Uh, yeah. High Mountain. I'll pass. Something like that. High Ma- High Noon Mountain. Yeah, like not yeah. selling yeah. me on this franchise. Anyways, yeah, that one's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> no, Victor but Victor Wong. Wong, he's awesome. I I love him in this. I think he plays a really cool character. He's very smart. Yes, starts figuring this shit out pretty quickly. Well, not very quickly, but they get they get figured it out. Him and Pleasant's are a good. Uh, <clears throat> it's an odd pairing, but it works. I agree, King. I yeah. I I enjoyed their screen time together. It's fun seeing them together. I like that. Yes, it's a good mashup. Yeah, good call. Yeah, I guess we're lucky to have had that, actually. We get Jameson Parker as Brian Mosh. Mosh. <laughs> I know him from Simon and Simon with Gerald McRaney. The TV show's kind of, well, I don't, it wasn't, was it a spinoff of Magnum P.I. or did it just, it was in the same universe? Mm, I don't know if it was a spinoff. I can't remember. He but might have just been a stuntman for Magnum P.I. with that mustache. Oh, uh, that mustache was... Something to it behold. Was, it was as proper as my man Tom Atkins. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, that's how I know him. That's um, a regular. I love that regular, show. Uh, push broom. <laughs> uh, yeah, regular push broom. I'm sure Carpenter was like, dude, get me Tom Atkins. And they're like, Tom Atkins can't come. And he's like, get me Tom Atkins 2.0. And they're like, <laughs> okay, sir. Exactly. That's funny. That's great. Well, I don't know. I mean, as a college student, I don't know that Tom Atkins would have been right for the role of Brian Marsh. Now, if you would have made Brian Marsh like some kind of like boozy adjunct professor that just kind of yeah. was Beer Axe buddy and kind of tagged along, totally would work. Yeah. <laughs> Not as a student, though. You'd yeah, have but to she doesn't even look like a student in this yeah. movie, man. I'm not buying it. None of them. I mean, do. I guess. I mean, unless he's going to. He, he looks like he's 35 years old. Well, they all look like <laughs> they should be teaching some right. classes, to be honest with you. And of course, we get the late great all Bob hail. Pleasance. All yeah, hail. Yes. As Father Loomis? Yeah. Mailed it mm. in on the character yeah, well, name, but. Yeah. Maybe he was thinking of it as a selling point, you know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just. I'm glad he's in it. I think he. Uh, what if he's calling that if, in this at all? He's not. Probably. I don't think he's ever referred to by name because I think I in think so. some credits he's just credited as priest. So I, I oh, don't really, I okay. don't believe that he's ever really referred to by name in this. Well, that's what I wondered because it's I Lynch, watched so. this but extremely yeah. critically on my rewatch this time, and I do not recall ever Loomis the word Loomis being Father spoken. Loomis. What if Carpenter had made like I gave a, him six Hail Marys. <coughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You have to do something. Yeah, a little different. Um, what if Carpenter had wrote like a cop drama, that had Pleasance, and it was like he was like Detective Loomis. I don't know. Kind of like, like Halloween. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess. No, but he's like a cop. He's like a... I don't know, like a he's got a detective as well. A renegade cop or yeah. some shit. <laughs> well, if you've ever seen the movie Raw Meat... I have um, not. Where he, he actually is, a, he's a detective in England, and they're having a string of murders in the, the subway systems, and turns out it's basically kind of a... They're, they're like... Can, they've just lived underground. Uh-huh. They were... Um, trapped off from society from they were workers and okay. they just kind of adapted to that and they started killing people and whatever he's awesome in that by the way okay. i love that movie i remember telling you about yeah. that dave but uh i don't know as an older guy i don't know i see him more as like the the one that's barking the orders not the one going out and doing you know what i mean i don't know i hear you. him playing yeah. sam loomis in the halloween franchise i feel like that's I don't know, it's different. Because he's not law enforcement. He's just a guy that's... He's a doctor. ...trying to stop evil, you know? He looks like a detective to me. Well, it's because of the trench coat. Well, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) And he carries a gun. This movie was released on October 23rd, 1987. But it did have an earlier release of on October 21st, 1987 in Universal City, California. With a budget of an estimated $3 million, it made 4.6 in the opening weekend. Grossed $14 million worldwide. I mean, that's a I mean, success. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not great, dude, or anything. But I'll tell you, but for $3 million? You know, $3 million bucks? Yeah, no studio. For a budget? That's fucking great. That's, a, that's low. That's <clears throat> a low budget right there. Yeah. And it shows at times in the movie, but... Sometimes. Not for what you get. You know, you, you wouldn't you, expect it to be $3 million. You got... Mucho bang for your buck here. Yeah, according to some. True. Yeah, oh. this is a ba- this is a Carpenter battleground movie. With this is a the lot decline. This is the beginning of the decline of Carpenter. Mm, ah, I disagree. What? Huh? Okay. I, I didn't say it's you know the. End it could of be. The, it could be argued that I I could you know see where if this think. isn't the beginning of the decline, this is the end of the upswing. <laughs> I, I personally okay. still disagree. Oh, okay. This, this decline kind of, meaning the movies that came. I think the after decline aren't. As I good think as the decline stuff. began with Village of the Damned. Even though I do enjoy that movie, I do like it. I feel like that was the start. I thought he rebounded a little bit uh, with Vampires, though. It's I thought. Okay, but... See, I thought he rebounded with Vampires. Also, I personally also thought that he rebounded with the next entry in the Apocalypse trilogy. A little bit. Yes. I personally yeah. enjoyed In the Mouth of Madness. So, spoiler on we'll that. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, right on. But no, I, I do believe in, what was it, 92, whenever Village of the Dam came out. I, I think that was the begin. Okay. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair. But that's me. That's fair. Because... To they, me, this movie just isn't better than the, the hits before it. It's, it's a decline. That's where I say that. It's arguable for me. <laughs> I mean, we can't all be right, that's what I'm saying. All right. This film has a runtime of an hour and 42 minutes. IMDb scored it at a 6.7 out of 10 with a meta score of 50. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 58%, Dave. That's about right. Yeah? Nah, it's better than that. Okay, uh, okay. Thank you. That's where I was on my first viewing of it, but I didn't really give it a good eye on the first viewing. Audience score of 60%. It's currently streaming on Star's app. Or you can rent it or buy it on Amazon Prime for three ninety nine. Buy it. I, I personally recommend buying it on VHS or DVD or Blu-ray. Own a physical copy of this movie. Yes. Yes. Get one. Yeah. Now. I agree, one hundred percent. 
Or you can rent it on Amazon Prime for three ninety nine. You can, which is my recommendation. Yeah, that's fair. Physical media. Yeah. Oh, I love physical media, <laughs> yeah. and this has a great cover. I think. Absolutely. Either. Spoiler alert: We didn't really have too many spoilers during the intro this week, so that's good. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like to keep it. You know. Yeah, we'll keep, keep it. Keep it vague. Well, yeah. Keep the spoilers ahead. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not. <laughs> it's out. <laughs> no, we're good. So, do you guys know where uh, John Carpenter first met Alice Cooper? No, I, I do can't. Not. I've been told that I can't remember. Well, sure, it was a WrestleMania too. Yeah, yeah. Not in the Pontiac Silverdome, brothers, but probably out in L.A. They did it in three locations that year. Not okay. really that important. We won't dig they into. They did that. WrestleMania two in three different locations. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, they filmed it throughout huh. New York, Chicago, and L.A. I picture these two being in L.A., so that's my guess. Yeah, that's I'd say so, too. Yeah, Cooper originally asked Carpenter if he could come to the set and just watch some special effects uh, due to Cooper's management also producing the film, but secretly he really wanted to be in the movie. Well, hell yeah, he did. Yeah. He doesn't <laughs> want to be in a fucking Carpenter film. Right, you're Alice fucking Cooper. Right, you're getting right. an invite shit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. mate, I've seen let me other stand movies. In, let me stand in the background. And right. that's exactly what he did. Right. <laughs> yeah. He mingled a little bit. He fits this role. Yeah. Carpenter eventually decided to offer Cooper a role as the leader of the street people after Carpenter urged Cooper to use his bicycle impaling gag from his concerts. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. So that was a gimmick he did on stage or something then? That's what it appears to be. Huh. I have not YouTubed that. Interesting. But I'm sure it's available. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. He's like, all right, deal. Half a bicycle, getting stuck. That's an unexpected kill, man. Yeah, like, you didn't yeah. really know what was happening there. This is actually Carpenter's first film that he made independently since Escape from New York in 81. Because it wasn't only because of the box office failure from Big Trouble in Little China in 86. Anybody who knows anything about Carpenter, you know, he, uh, he doesn't like, quote-unquote, the man a lot. And uh, he he, uh, he was pretty frustrated with working with the studios and a lot of politics there involved with that. So yeah, he man he, just wants to make a movie. Right. Yeah, and he wants to make it. A, right, he hasn't let hurt the man do his damn job. Yeah, quit interfering. He he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and uh, he ended up shooting this in only uh, just over thirty days too. So that's crazy. It's it fantastic, is. dude. Yeah. There's a lot of special effects in this film. Yeah, that's nonstop. Thirty days, or, you know. Start to finish. Oh, yeah, no doubt. No labor laws with the kids in this one, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's why they went Sun up to sundown. I'm sure Maybe that's why they went up with the fucking older people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because of the child labor laws. (laughs) There you go. That's a good point. (laughs) I'm doubting Pleasance and Long was there the whole 30 days. No, no. No. They got them out in about three. But Pleasance comes in, he delivers. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like clockwork. He might have been a little boozed up on this. You think? He might have been. I don't know. What makes it was you say a, that? I've, I've heard uh, Daniel Harris interviews where she said that he was kind of a boozer on set at Halloween 5. Don't tarnish and his this name. Is, you know, in that same time frame, sort of. Okay, so Halloween, I was 80, that came out in 89, it's 87, so, yeah. oh, oh, okay. She said she didn't actively see him boozing, but she could smell it on his breath when she was in close, you know, close quarters uh, with him. Yeah. Liquid courage right before our scene. Well, no, it takes the edge right. off. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with it. I wasn't disputing yeah. it. No, no. He's the man. He does what he wants. I, I, I thought I thought Pleasance was. I mean, I'm not going to say he was great in this, but he 
he was perfect for this role, and I felt like he delivered an adequate performance. It was written for him, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. The original concept for this came from none other than Deborah Hill herself. She kept out. She kept having dreams where vague, dark figure would um, exit from a church, and it scared the shit out of her. And mm. you know, Carpenter was banging her at the time, I believe. And <laughs> they were mating. Yeah, they were mating. And he developed a story around this idea, and huh. that's pretty wicked. Yeah, yeah, that's a neat visual too. They do a good job of, I think, uh, translating a dream as best they can. When that happened, I was just astonished. I, I didn't know what the hell was going on in the movie. Yeah. You know, yeah, I thought something had glitched or something was taped over or something. And yeah, I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, it's a cool. It's, it is cool. Like, where did that come from? It is creepy as shit. Uh, something that I had also heard in addition to um, collaborating with Deborah Hill on her recurring dreams that Carpenter uh, he had an interest in quantum mechanics oddly enough and uh, his biographer was uh, Giles Bollinger and uh, he told him he said I've been doing a lot of reading on theoretical physics and atomic theory and I found it all to be amazing not only amazing but it was also transforming the truth of it all the point of quantum mechanics is something called observer created reality which one bold and terrifying stroke slams at the heart of human perception and its understanding of the objective Newtonian reality. We're getting real technical here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know what are. you just said. <laughs> Could you please repeat that? <laughs> I would, but I'm not. <laughs> I appreciate it if you wouldn't. So, so I thought it would be interesting to create some sort of ultimate evil and combine it with the notion of matter and antimatter. Since there is a mirror of antimatter for every particle of matter, I thought it would be great to have an anti-god, namely a mirror opposite of God, that would be totally evil. I started with that premise and worked on various ideas. End quote. Hence the devil. Yeah. Satan. Fascinating. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Quantum mechanics. John Carpenter, who knew? Not me. Not I. Alright, Mercury was used... For the uh, reaching through the mirror shots, you guys noticed? Yeah. I can kind of tell. Yeah. yeah. It's got that look. It's the only way you can shoot it like that, you know? Practically. Yeah. Unless you use, like, some kind of, like, gray, silver paint. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it, I don't it, think it, it, it would. No, it wouldn't have the same effect. The but reflective that's like the, property. Right. And, yeah. Right. That's, that's the perfect thing. Yeah. Well, did anybody get sick from the mercury? Oh, probably. But not for, like... 15 years later, and they had a class action lawsuit. <laughs> Carver was like, shit. Mm-hmm. The arm that they used, that was prosthetic. Yeah. I couldn't tell. I, I wasn't looking for that. I no, I was just kind of, I was drawn into the movie, man. Yeah. I was just totally sucked yeah. into what was happening. I'm like, what? Yeah. Is, you know, what is going on? Well, Carpenter can do a prosthetic arm reaching through a batch of uh, mercury all day, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. The reverse shot of her fingers poked through into the darkness was a shot inside a covered swimming pool on that one. Okay, yeah. I get that. I've, I you, read You need that emptiness, you know. Yeah, yeah you have to have So it's effect. like you're filling a void, but you're weightless. Right. You're right, you can shoot it in slow-mo. I read where uh, Lisa Blount, who was Catherine, uh, she was really scared to shoot that scene where she uh, would put Susan Blanchard, mm-hmm. and they would dive into that water. She said it was really dark, and she was really uncertain about holding her breath for the shot of reaching towards the surface. Carpenter said that the most difficult film effect to uh, film during this movie was when the anti-god's hand is coming through mm-hmm. the mirror. So, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found that odd, too, because I was huh. like, I mean, it looks cool, it but it like the transformation scene, you know, when um, Kelly's getting right. all, you know, 
like melting transforming, or yeah, metamorphosizing yeah, on right? the bed. That shit was awesome. Yeah, it was pretty know? cool. You see her chest moving. Yeah, around yeah. I figured that would have been harder. You know. So the church basement that they're in, it's actually a rundown building in Long Beach that they uh, there used to be a ballroom. And, um, I mean, it was pretty much well falling apart during production, so the cast and the crew, they had to sign waivers yeah. stating they wouldn't sue if they uh, uh, they were hurt during filming or I've had to sign waivers, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah? Yeah, when yeah. I film. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's <laughs> when I right. I've movies. I've had to sign waivers, so. Kind of like hey, man. stuntman work. You never know. I'm stuntman. I'm stuntman Mike. <laughs> you have a book? Huh? You got a book? I got a book somewhere. I got a book. <laughs> Well, in my while book, I know you, you're going in the book. <laughs> <laughs> the book by the Lord Ketchum. That's right. Coming to newsstand soon. While Dennis Dunn and Victor Wong worked together with Carpenter on Big Trouble in Little China, Donald Pleasance worked with Carpenter on Halloween and um, Escape from New York. Their roles were written specifically for them, obviously, by Carpenter. He That's cool. You know, it's just what well, he does. Yeah, well, he, 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 he knows him. He's worked with him before. Yeah. Right. But this was the first time Peter Jason worked with Carpenter and would later work together on They Live, In the Mouth of Madness, yeah. Village of the Damned, yeah. uh, Escape from L.A., and the <laughs> the dreadful Ghosts of Mars. Hmm. I am not a fan. I, I, and I it understand that. It did not need that. to be made, dude. No, but I find entertainment value in it. It's it's what I it's like a guilty pleasure type movie. I'm not going to try to defend it or anything because I, I know what it is. I hear you, but I yeah. find it entertaining. You okay, know, so there's that. Escape from L.A. was pretty shitty too. To be it honest, I enjoyed, very good. I enjoyed it. You enjoy it? I enjoy it. But yeah, not, not, I'm not again. I'm not saying it's great, not but this is after that decline I talked about. Also, yeah, you're, you're way up in left field on this one. <laughs> but didn't uh, Peter Jason? He also had a small part in uh, one of the segments in the uh, anthology at Carpenter had body bags. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I haven't really. I've only watched that one. Maybe twice. Oh, I need to watch one. that one yeah, more. Yeah, it's a it's a there's good a, one. It's fun. And there's a Mark Hamill segment in it you love. Yeah, I mean I've seen oh, okay. it before. Okay. It's just I I don't watch it very often. Okay. Well, it, it's just it's hard to find you. too. I mean, although on physical yeah. media. You don't have it on VHS yet? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I wish. I remember seeing it. People's sweet. News on Emerson. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's actually the, that is the first time I saw it. That's where okay. I got it from. Right on. One question I got for you guys. Speaking of John Carpenter and collaborating with people and everything, which John Carpenter pairing do you prefer personally? Carpenter and Kurt Russell or Carpenter and Donald Pleasance? What do you got, King? Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm bringing the heat. This is a tough man, one. I, I got to stand behind my man DP. That's just... You're not wrong for that. Yeah. This, by the way, there's no wrong answer. Yeah, this. I can't well, It all depends on... What kind of Carpenter movie you're looking for? If you're looking for an sure. action movie, you're going to go with Kurt Russell every time. If you're wanting a more dramatic effect, yeah, it's Pleasance. Al- it's almost that yeah. more than just here, but right. I I really toiled on this one. I mean, I was like, I was really curious to hear your guys' answer, and uh, I I got a mm, <laughs> it's I, I'm giving a slight edge to Donald Pleasance just because I love that man. Not, right. not one ounce of anything against Kurt Russell because that man is incredible. That man has been a part of my childhood growing up. 
as an actor seeing his movies. I right. mean, he's awesome. Yeah. You know, but I, I give Any a... Any good director can make magic with him. I mean... Sure. Yeah. I, but I give a slight, ever so slight nod to Donald Pleasance on that one. Right on. Um, one other cast uh, mention here was uh, Dirk Blocker. He played Mullins. He mm-hmm. was the balding guy. Yeah. Do you know who his dad is in real life? Hmm. Give me a minute. I'm picturing him. I'm trying to... I don't even have one. Is that the same last name? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Dirk Blocker. I don't know who. All right. His dad was Big Damn Blocker. Is that... No. He played Hoss Cartwright on the popular TV show Bonanza that ran from 59 to 72. Yes, that's his dad. Right on. You see it now? Okay, yeah. Because as soon as I realized that, I was like, oh, yeah, he does look like his dad. Interesting. Very cool. Yep. Well, Big Hoss... Yep, that's his kid. Turned out a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, character actor career. Man, yeah, he's been definitely. a lot of stuff. You know the uh, recurring dream sequence we get the, uh, of the the black figure coming out of the church. Yeah, that was shot on VHS and then filmed off of a television screen playing the footage. That's how you get that effect. It's perfect. No. That's filter. It's filter. That's, that's exactly what it looks like too. Yeah. It's one of those. Genius, like on a dime, yeah, junky things you just put together and it actually worked perfectly. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a dream sequence, yeah, yeah. Trying to bring in science with technology and stuff, right. yeah. Carpenter, no. man, he, he makes low budget his bitch, he really does. Yeah, nobody does low budget better than Carpenter yeah. if, and, with finesse, right? Yeah. And you know, he, he decided to clash religion and science together, which is hard to do. And do it yeah. right. Yeah. You know, and he perfected it right here, in my opinion. Wow. It's just fun. Yeah. This is a great movie, man. I found out that the, uh, do you know who played the figure in black during that dream sequence? Who that is? Was it Nick Castle? No. Oh, man. <laughs> the shape. <laughs> That's good, though. No, yeah, it's yeah. not. Who's it? It was just, I'll go ahead wait. No, I was going with Dick Warlock just Dick for hell <laughs> Also, that would have been cool. Actually, it was uh, Jesse Ferguson who played Calder. Oh, okay. In okay. This, so. okay. But, yeah, thought that was interesting. That would have been cool if they got somebody else. Yeah, no, the, both of those. <laughs> I never thought of that, but that's great. <laughs> that's that's perfect. Uh, I, I read Ripper was uh, suggested at some point to have only seven people who return as zombies, or whatever you want to call them, that represent the seven deadly sins instead of the group of homeless people. Uh Carpenter ended up nixing that at the last second because it would have been a bunch of rewrites yeah. and, you know, shuffling shit around and everything. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe that came from Peter Jason, the actor. I think he was the one that suggested that to him. Right on. Yeah. I actually like this idea. <clears throat> to just have seven hobos running around? and Yes. I actually like this idea. I don't know. It's scary to see an army of hobos. It outside is. your windows and shit. You know? I think both of these ideas are just primo, right. in my honest opinion. I like what we got, but I also think this is an interesting take. Huh. I yeah. Sure. I, I like the zombie mass idea more. I guess. I can imagine that horde mentality. Yeah, sure. I can imagine Alice Cooper on set being like a pain in the ass to John Carpenter being like, Hey, really? it's a great idea. No, he's like suggesting <laughs> He's, he's fantasy booking himself in the movie, like, 
what if you make me Satan? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and blah, 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 you know. Sort well, I mean, upon first watch, here. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I could, just, I don't know. For for a little bit, maybe. Yeah. You know. Well, I just wondered if maybe uh, Alice Cooper's influence coming in on the set may have had an effect on the reasoning why we had this horde plus, you know, different type of people on the inside. I don't know. Because they're different, obviously. I doubt it. I think Alice Cooper would respect Carpenter's decisions on things, and I don't think he would push his uh, limits. No. You know, so... I agree. I mean, the fucking guy is giving a role in the movie. Take it and be happy. Yeah. Which I would. (laughs) Alice Cooper is, like, a pretty, like, low-key, super intelligent, just... Okay. Yeah. Kind of cool guy, man. I mean... Guy just he, he plays golf. He likes sports. Yeah, you know. I, mean, I just picture him being a little eccentric. Has a radio. You know? Yeah, has a radio. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I knew he did. I knew show. he did. Uh, that's right. That's Nights right. with Alice Cooper. Nights with Cooper. Yeah, man. that's right. I knew that. Jeez. So on uh, Kelly's arm when she starts getting that bruise, it's a shape of an astrologer staff or a cult symbol. John Carpenter got the idea from using from the sleeve of Blue Oyster cult classic album from 76 the agents of fortune oh okay yeah, i've never seen that. that i'd have to look all you have got shit? that yeah i've got that they use, oh, they use that symbol a couple on a couple different albums yeah oh okay i don't have yeah. any blue oyster cult and that's all it is i'll, it's dig, just, it I'll uh, dig it out and show you here an astrologer staff that's it yeah that's huh. exactly what she's got her arm huh well that's cool at least it wasn't the fucking the cult of thorn ah. right yeah. <laughs> Right? <laughs> but still, she just bumped into something, and all of a sudden she got this bruise. It's like, oh. you know. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's like engraved. But right. Anyway. All right, guys. That was cool. I mean, I have to talk about the score. Yes. So, it kicks ass, okay? We get some well synth put. back put. Back. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's just, it's obviously Carpenter. It's no just doubt. another, but I mean, I'm, I'm and, and Howarth too, man. Both of them at it. This is beautiful. I love this, and I like how he integrates scenes in between with the music. It's really fun and tells a story, and that the, it really sets the tone of the film itself. For me, I mean, it the, the whole time there's music going. There's really no yeah. time. There's hardly any just silence. Yeah. Like, you get these ominous tones and pulses and, you know, just those, you know, the the signature Howarth and Carpenter music, yep. you know. And it is, oh, it's it's perfect. I love it here. I think it's great. Not a whole lot of movies can get away with that, but this works with it, yeah. The music's just, it's just soft enough. It's just the right tone. Yeah. It's got the right, you know, texture for the movie. It's and when hard. it get once it gets serious, it does. You oh, know, it with matches. The, with the, Choir singing in the back and everything. Yeah, gets yeah. really intense at times. It's cool. It really is, man. It's a, it's one of my more favorite John Carpenter soundtracks. Absolutely, I agree with you, Mary, on this one. Cool. It's top. It's top five for sure. Oh yeah, easy top five. Yes, it's probably breaking top three for me. But see, here's the thing. I it's, mean, I like the fog. I like Halloween. Yeah, that's tough. I that's like tough. the thing. Right. So. Yeah. And then I like this. So right. th- to make a top three, Christine, it's kind of impossible. Christine. Christine. So there you go. I mean, it's, there's five. Yeah, this is right hard. There. 
Escape from New York. It's hard to make too. it. I mean, yeah, yeah it's who you, tough. Who do you bump it's in tough. that top five? Carpenter top fives are tough. Yeah. It, absolutely. But this is making it for me. Yeah. It's I in the top you. five. Yeah, I hear you. He's in my, this is in my top five, too. I have a pretty cool Alan Howarth quote here. Uh, he said that the, all of my scores are basically improvised. Um, I watch the scenes on a TV set and create the sounds and themes on the spot using a 24-track recorder linked into the film to layer in the sounds. There's two kinds of scoring in movies. movies. One is the kind of underscore, minimalist idea, and one is what he calls Mickey Mousing. For instance, in King Kong, every step that King Kong made is scored. Bomb, 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 bomb. Every emotion is scored. That's what he calls Mickey Mousing. He said that Carpenter's opinion of the style in general is that everything needs to be scored so heavily that you haven't got a chance to miss anything. And hmm. he also added on and said that John Williams is the biggest and most famous Mickey Mouser of all time. Ah. <laughs> That's a little slap to the face. I don't. I don't know if I appreciate that last line, but he didn't, yeah, that's he didn't pretty, really have to go there. That's a pretty tough pill to swallow, right there. But I mean, mm. we're talking my other heroes, so I'll give him a pass on it. But just because I thought it was interesting, I was a, uh, I was mm. curious how you guys would react to that. So. If you would ask me to rate my favorite uh, conductors for scores, yeah. John Carpenter's in the top spot. John Williams is. Very nearly second. I hear yeah, that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Would Danny yeah. Elfman be up there? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. John Ottman wouldn't either. He fucking did. H2O. Jerry Goldsmith. Jerry Goldsmith, I was going to mm, say. Cool. Dude, that's agreeing with Matt there. Mm. He's probably up there as well. Yeah. I would say at this moment, without com- coming up with anybody else off the top of my head, I would say Jerry Goldsmith is probably my three. Dude, he did the Omen soundtrack, and it's awesome. Yeah. Countless. Super sick. Yeah. 17 Oscar nominations. Yeah. I mean, come on. Christ. Give him a top five. Fuck. Mm. Yep. <laughs> All right, so uh, head into movie discussion or yeah. whatever you guys you want to talk about here about it. What do you got to bring up? So one thing I want to say about the beginning of this movie is it, it, it's just something I can't stand. The way they weave the credit sequence in and out, you know, different events of the story. I mean, they, they take lengthy breaks showing the credits and that distracts me. They did it for like ten minutes. It's it's about nine actually, but yeah. I'm rounding up. <laughs> I, uh, I it's like different. It. Uh, I don't I don't have a problem with it. It's different. Like I said, the subtleness of the theme, what is being explained in the movie, you know, this, you know how they're laying out the the storyline yeah. and everything. It's it, it fits really really well. I think it's because the the credits. They get cut in. I think it's a nice segue to go to the next thing, you know, that's a different setting to show that all right. these things are happening at the same time. Sure. And, you know, I, I'm with you on this one, Lord. Well, it's something I agree. He, I like he's got to get, you know, fairly caught up, you know, really quick. Like, right. okay, this is what's kind of going on right I just, now. I just don't like the breaks. They're, they're lengthy. I mean, it, it yeah. takes me away. Only a few of them. Sometimes they're Yeah, because, like, you'll cut away and you're yeah. like, oh, I thought we finished these. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Okay. Oh, two more. Uh, three more times. Okay. No, I get you. I hear you. I I see that. But for me, I've while it is different and uncommon, I have no problem with it. Okay. I don't either. I actually recommend it. Wow. <laughs> Wildly. <laughs> it's it's really good. I well, I mean, if you're going to do it like that with that, I mean, there's only certain times you should use it. 
and okay, he nailed it on this one. The score was great. I don't yeah. have a problem with that play, and it just uh, the lengthy break. So I don't know. Fitch me, I'll I'll shut up. But I don't no, think, no, no, it's it's your opinion. No, it's valid because it's it's uncommon. That's a different way to go yeah. about it for an opening uh, title credit. Cool tactic. Something I want to know is why were the homeless people affected first with them being outside of the church, being further away from liquid Satan? I think it started yeah. like they were they were already close to the church anyway. And it's been going on for like a month anyway. You know, the change of nature and everything. Okay. The way I understood it is that the... the Prince of Darkness here can telepathically control people and things, and those are weak-minded people. And these are just the outside they're, sentinels. They're the first step in reaching, you know, outside his okay vase. <laughs> okay, and that's why they're different because they are different than what we get as a zombie type role that the people inside are getting affected by the liquid actually squirting on them. And, right. Yeah, they're 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 more driven as whereas the uh the horde of homeless people, they're more just the all, guardians. Yeah, they're just mindless right. kind of just meandering around. Right. Just Dang. keeping everybody contained. They ain't afraid to get their hands dirty though. No. Right. No, no, no. One thing I do want to bring up, uh going back to that uh talking about the homeless people and Alice Cooper, uh the kill with the bike. Yeah. The uh, character Etchison that gets killed, uh, he's got headphones on, right? Right. And uh, the music that's gone, that's actually Alice Cooper's song, Prince of Darkness. Oh, sweet. so that's awesome. he ends up getting sure. killed by Alice now Cooper. Now that, I could see that could be a, a suggestion. For yeah, Alice perhaps. Sure. You know. Yeah, but no, it, it, honestly, until like doing a little more digging around about this movie. I didn't know that. I knew he there was music playing, but I didn't right. figure, you know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Just a little shameless plug. Yeah. Why not? Just like in the year before with uh, Jason Lives. Yep. Absolutely. But no, I thought that was pretty cool. Hell yeah, yeah. dude. Okay, guys. So who is lighting candles up in this motherfucker, dude? For real. <laughs> right? I mean, I didn't keep count because there was too many to count, but it was definitely over 300 I mean, Candles. in the beginning, you know, the the one, the father, the priest, whoever was yeah, taking care of the yeah. church. Right. I mean, it was only him. I mean, right, exactly. Because, like, I mean, it would have took him all day to do that. Oh, absolutely. And by the time he'd get done, it'd be time to blow them all out. <laughs> you know? And I don't see Reverend Loomis having that kind of patience, so. Right. He's got a bigger fish to fry here right now he kind of gets dumped into this yeah you know but yeah good point yeah yeah who's lighting them candles looks yeah. cool though oh sure yeah it's cool as hell yeah i mean it brings the ambience i like that the church is you know kind of breaking down and everything and yeah i mean you're paying these actors fucking you're gonna have to work under some tough conditions sometimes <laughs> yeah the spray scene into the Susan character's mouth, you know, the radiologist with glasses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Where's she at, though? I thought you guys knew. Well, I lost. Yeah. I did, and I lost her. She's fucking. She's sneaky. She's cute. She moves. She yeah. was cute, actually. Yeah. yeah. Except when she's all, like, bug eyed, but. 
Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I kind of thought that was kind of <laughs> <laughs> That kind of white. <laughs> Did you guys find that there was anything sexual about that, or was it just a way to infect the rest? I mean, I it's when pure I first evil, when I first saw this, like the first, I was younger. I can't remember exactly. I was I was a teenager. I I didn't pick up on that. I just kind of felt like that was the mode of, you know, <laughs> transporting the virus or whatever. You know, as an adult. Maybe. Mm. A little bit. I think you guys are reading too much into that. I don't know. I mean, think about this. Whenever Susan climbs up on, uh, who is it, Lisa? When she's sleeping in bed. And it's all like, kind of like, what are we going to do here? You know? I I don't know. It's just just an entity of evil, you know, that's possessed them. I get that, too. But it it doesn't really give a shit. It's going to get you however it has to. And it's a bu- lot of moving liquids. Hmm. Why okay. not have it shooting out of its mouth, out of the mouth? It doesn't have to be sexual. I don't think it is. I don't know. To be honest, I, I could see where it could be, but oh yeah, for sure. But Susan, she, like she totally soot, uh, when she stood up, it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger from the Terminator, man. Like it's exactly <laughs> what I. And yeah. even the music kind of changed. Nothing yeah. like the Terminator theme, right? But, one thing I think it would have worked better for that scene when Susan was struggling after she'd been squirted in the mm-hmm. mouth when she was clutching at her throat, if they would have had like a nice little bladder effect around her oh, neck, yeah. just kind of pulsate a little bit yeah. whenever she's struggling. I don't know. I think that would have added a little bit to it. You know, like there's... With the choking and yes. the gasping and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been pretty sweet. I, I think I would have liked that. Yeah, but they had to put all that money into I know, other shit. I know. Even though it was only three million. Right. right. But no, I was just when I was seeing I was like we had like a little where there's like you could tell like something's like inside of right. her now, you know. It's moving. Yep. On its own down inside. I think that'd be cool. So at some point Catherine says, Then it really is old scratch knocking at the door. So Satan goes by many names. Yes. Uh, she calls him Old Scratch. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And he also goes by John Milton, as we found John out. John Milton, yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. Just kind of curiosity, <laughs> knowing that there's a lot of nicknames and things like that. What is your favorite nickname or reference to Satan? Well, Not saying anything is like, you know, you believe in Satan or anything, no. but like, how? What's, what's the way you refer to? You got one? Oh, fuck face. Yeah. Oh, fuck face. Hey, oh, fuck face. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> Get okay. your ass back to hell. It's a loser. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. I like Beelzebub. Beelzebub? Beals. 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 Oh, Beals. <laughs> he likes to watch Fox News and kill some baby seals. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that's actually a Stephen Lynch. Uh, that was a shot. That, that's a Stephen Lynch line. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, I've never but Beelzebub, heard that. That's a sweet ass name. I really yeah. like Old Scratch. I don't you like know. Old Scratch? I do. Right There's on. something about it that's very just old and just primitive. I don't know. I I old, like it. Old I Nick. dig it. Yeah. So did you guys catch any Halloween 3 vibes from the score of this this movie? A little bit. It's there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Howarth and Carpenter. It's, yeah. it's Simon and Garfunkel to horror movie themes. Okay. Mm, man, that is a great representation. Yeah. That's, that's, that's perfect, dude. <laughs> I think there's more more than just with the score. I think there's a couple 
nods I noticed. Oh, uh, okay. Whenever Brian, before they go, I think he's at his home, and he's got like he's doing like he's playing solitaire or whatever, and the TV's going mm-hmm. in the background. Um, talking about the supernova. Yeah, the I, I feel like that is a nod to the gas station in Halloween 3, where the gas station mm-hmm. attendants got the stuff about Stonehenge. Mm. I feel yeah, like I, I, guess, I, yeah. I picked up on that. And then whenever Wyndham, before he ends up getting stabbed to death by the uh, homeless lady who is creepy as shit, mm-hmm. um, whenever he looks over and he sees the row of the uh, homeless people, I mean, if that's not the assassins from Halloween 3... I don't know what is. All right. And I think you yeah, can get a little sense. bit of a stinger too. Mm. But yeah, so I you think so you think with that being said, Carpenter threw in those kind of like um suggestions, maybe? Sure. To Tommy I, Lee Walls I, know, I, for three. I absolutely love the visual we get with the bugs devouring that guy outside the window. Wyndham, yeah. Is that Wyndham? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he drops the ominous line, pray for death. Yes. It's like, you guys are fucked now. Yeah. <laughs> it's creepy how it just kind of collapses in sections yeah. after the head just kind of flips back. Head and rolls off. Great effects. Torso yeah. falls backwards and the legs you know, just yeah. drop. Yeah. It's fun. It's unsettling Very, to watch. Yeah. And you hear like the bug sound like going on. and it's, it's visceral. Yeah. Yeah, it's creepy, man. It really is. I hear you. That's, that's my favorite scene in this movie. That's your money yeah. scene here in this yeah, one? Yeah, it is. Because it's that's the fair. thing that I remember the most. That's fair. Man, that scene is ah, tough. What's your money scene? i got to think about this, man. What do you got there, Lord? What's your favorite scene in this? Hmm. I know to be mine, honest, I, I, I know it. mine. I know mine. It's when Chick is translating the fucking the text. On the computer? On the computer. Just it's very, out. It's very intense. When Calder and, comes in, yes, dude, that, I hear you. That man. is a very intense scene. Where it's like I you really will not like be it. saved by whatever. You will not be saved by the god of plutonium. In fact, you will not. Yeah, yeah dude, that's, it's, that's creepy. That's man. fucking awesome, dude. That's my. That's probably my favorite scene. Okay. I'll go ahead and tell you mine. Mine is Calder okay. when he's dragging that chair and he's singing Amazing Grace. Yeah, and he's got that fucking laugh, dude. That is <laughs> creepy as shit. And he breaks off a piece of the chair and he just stabs himself uh. in the throat, dude. That is some unsettling shit. I did not see that coming. Calder gave me <laughs> nightmares more than anybody else in this movie. Okay, I'll tell you that right now, straight up. Yeah, Jesse Ferguson, he's a good actor. He he's, sold out for this. I've seen role, him in man. a few other things. So the uh, actor that played Wyndham in that scene you're talking about, King, uh, it's Rick uh, Robert Grasmere. In my opinion, I think he was the weakest actor in this movie. Um, but he did actually go on to have a very successful career as a visual effects supervisor in Hollywood. Which is oddly enough, because the scene that he's probably most famous for is a visual effect. Yeah. So, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, well... But he sucked at acting. I didn't remember his name. That's why I called him the guy in the suit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. His character arc was not very deep. Some of the scientists were just, you know, well, mail it in actors, you know, just grabbing the were the one scene where he's like Well this is bullshit. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> that is bad. I'm sorry. So Kelly's transformation, we end up discovering that uh it's her becoming the spawn of the anti god who Satan plans to bring into the world. 
So the green swirling goo is the anti-god son, not the anti-god himself. So right. with all these layers... <laughs> By carpet- anti-god, you mean old fuckface. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Carry you on. got it. Is it... Okay. Is it the devil and then the devil's son? The Antichrist? To, uh, old fuckface's son. Okay. What old fuckface's son. Well, again, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, with all these layers that Carpenter throws at us in this right. movie, okay, combined with... There's some scenes that I'll admit, it's they kind of get a little drawn out, maybe, where there's not really a whole bunch happening. Are these the reasons why this movie, even still today, doesn't connect with a lot of uh, horror fans, do you think? I think it. I think this movie does connect to horror fans. It's everybody else, in my opinion. Okay. I mean, I know there's some horror fans, Dave, well. maybe, who doesn't... So it's really their fucking problem. Movie. Well, not necessarily that. It's people that can't sit yeah, through ten minute credits with a little bit of uh, scene in between. Okay. No, it's just Carpenter doing his thing, I guess. Um, maybe he's trying to show off. Maybe how smart he is, or something. How deep it can be, you know, when you're dealing with science and the layer, many layers of what it takes. To manifest, you know, this green liquid from obviously hell, you know, because if there's a devil, then there's got to be a fucking a hell, you know. Right. So you know, you, you got to manifest this liquid over time, you know. I because that's how I see this happening, you know. The the cylinder itself, I know you, it's it can be unlocked only unlocked from the inside, but I don't think the the um, the, the green liquid was first in that capsule. I think it, it was, you know, brought into this world over time by all the hatred that this world has shown us and okay. and, and, the, and the many, many evil acts that people do and it and eventually just, just filled full. up, you know. Kind of like how Christmas the, cheer powered Santa's sleigh and elf. Maybe. Yes, okay. kind of, okay. but, so that's but, a in nice but in a The anti-hero. Yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay, all right. <laughs> Just to put it in perspective here, that's all right. No, oh, that's an so, interesting point, man. Yeah. I don't know if I'd answer your question or not, but No, I I, I feel mean, like it did. And then, you know, once it's once it's unleashed, you know, in that kind of form, it can possess whoever is needed or to influence, be influence. Right. Then to that person can bring in the devil himself. There's a lot of there stuff is. happening in this you know, movie. Yeah. This is a very Especially in the last, movie. you know, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 I, I'm Honestly, on my first viewings of this, everything in the last 15 to 20 minutes didn't make sense because I got so bored with what was going on in the first 40 minutes. And you get some more Donna Pleasance. Yeah, you know, near the end because he kind of disappears throughout. Well, yeah, he goes and hides off for three days. Remember, (laughs) (laughs) I will say that where he's back there hiding behind and he has that prayer, I thought that was like super. I had to turn my volume up to a hundred to hear it. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) because he's not real loud in that scene. Well, no, he's hiding. Yeah, he can't be. He's got to pray. But I wanted to, you know. But I'll tell saying. you, like, I mean, he's like, I don't know, there's a lot of emotion happening right there. Yeah. He does a quiver lip. I've seen it. I mean, there's tears. He wipes yeah. his face. He's, I mean, I, 
not quite I, like the it. preacher and the Amityville Horror where the flies are overcoming them, but... That was a ham job there. This, I don't know, there was a sincerity in this oh, yeah, performance, I, in my opinion. I was saying this is better, yeah. Oh, I I'm have, sorry, I, I misunderstood. Yeah, definitely. Okay, 100%. we're all same boat. Okay, cool. All right. You know me, I just like to give perspective. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everything about the finale of this, though, was really unsettling and uncomfortable to me. They really knocked it out of the park. I mean, grand finale, you know, hits right after my scene there the guy getting eaten up by bugs i mean as soon as that happens you know we're kicking into yeah it's on it's high gear super hot yeah but this is <laughs> this is this is carpenter's grand plan playing out masterfully i mean masterfully <laughs> sorry i'd seen it before but never had all the dots in place to connect the story the way i did on my review and for okay. that yeah so it would be really? safe to say that your rating of this movie has gone, gone up. This watch, this well, rewatch. Do you, you want? Do you want to hear about that? Well, well, we'll get. We'll get there. Well, I that's, just, that's where we're at. I think. Well, pretty close. He got something else. No, I'm just like <laughs> with, with you talking about the ending with Brian. Well, yeah, you like, want to finish having, this out. Having the yeah, you know, the double nightmare wake up, you know, which was a solid jump. That was a solid jump scare. Uh, it got me first time I seen it. But when he wakes up and he's staring in that mirror and you see his hand like just getting closer and closer and of course you got that that music going, mm-hmm. you know, and then it just goes to black. I love it. I think that's I think it's great. And this is you know this is another thing about this movie that a lot of people can test. They they're like oh it just it just ended. It didn't. They didn't do anything. They just intervened. They in they they inconvenienced. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. I do you I, think I they like stopped them? Fully? No. No? No way. Okay. Or else Catherine wouldn't be there being the messenger in the right. the dream uh, transmissions. Right. Once you unleash it. Right. It can't be undone. This is, you know, a typical Carpenter leaving you. I love the nihilist perspective on this. I love that the good guys probably don't win here. You know, and yeah. I'll be, I mean, it's no wonder that he calls... You know the thing in this and in, in the mouth of madness, right. the way they end the apocalypse trilogy. It is the end of the world. Like we're fucked. Yeah. The ending of this movie, it's not happy. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Nobody's happy in this situation. <laughs> I I like that. Yeah. That's one thing. Even with Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., same thing. Yeah, that's true. Well, Escape from New York was. Entirely Some, different movie. Yes, but it's the same. It, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Okay. It's not the same. Anything. Oh. I like the scene when Walter's in the, been um, stuck in the wall. In that, like, closet or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was That that was a fun. When he had to travel through the wall and shit, that was a fun. I scene. liked it, but I feel like that's probably one of the scenes where I think people, when they want to say like it drug on, that's yeah, kind it. of one of those. Well, it would it happened, and then they would go to other shit, right. and then all of a sudden, which it seems like it should have been at least Paced an better. hour to, or two. Yeah, you know, and then it goes back to him, and nothing's been done yet. You know, right. or, you know, they're just getting started. You know, chipping away at the brick and or you know. The, the wall and everything. Yeah. I don't know. They, editing-wise, it wasn't properly... It's not a perfect movie. No, 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 no. But it's, it's still fun. And when, you know, he's got... You get got, the point. Right, and he's, and he's got these crazy-ass possessed chicks 
chasing him. Right. It's it's just a lot of fun. Right, and they don't really go into action too much until no, after no. Uh, who was a Kelly finally fully they were, transforms. They were just guarding right. the vessel. Yeah, you know that pretty much settles it. it we ready to go into the wrap ups here and absolutely tie a bow on this. You got anything, Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of things. All right, all right, all right. bring it. I want to hear. I want to hear. This I am too. I'm, I'm altered really perspective okay, on this well, movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I have eagerly, no shit, anticipated this. <laughs> well, don't get your hopes up too Can't much. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not a big fan of religious horror movies. The Exorcist is the prime example of a movie that everybody else loves that I don't get. I mean, what about I three? Get it. No, I don't want to talk about three because I didn't care enough about the first one. Okay, you didn't. Have you seen three? I have started three, and it it reminded me of one, and I just didn't. You know what? Let's just not get into that. And we're not doing know. the Exorcist. I'm just saying. Okay. That right. Personally, the, okay. Is the Amityville Horror not? It is my number one religious horror. Okay. Movie. That's right. where I was going I was just, next. Okay. I just wanted to put out the right. elephant in the room, which is the Exorcist. Okay. I do not care for the Exorcist. I know it that is. about you, and it's one of the things that I'm. Ooh, I don't fine. think less of you, but. The Exorcist it, is below this, in my perspective, as a religious horror movie goes. Wow. Wow. Okay. If that makes... Well, I mean, I've just told you I don't like it, so that doesn't that's, mean it's great. Right. Oh, that's, right. that's a... That's a <laughs> bold statement. That is very bold. Okay. Fair enough. That it's not better it. to me than Amityville Horror, but... Okay. I believe get that. get that much out of me. I believe that. But to say, okay, keep going, please. Well, I have a better understanding of everyone's character arc upon this viewing because I forced myself... To completely undistract, you know, everything was, the kids were in bed, you know, lights were out, it was me in the movie, I put my phone on the charge, and I watched it. Clear the mechanism. Yeah, and I mean, a few times, I'd get distracted by something, uh, you know, inevitably with kids, and and I would rewind or pause, man, I didn't miss a line. I watched this from beginning to end, very critically, (laughs) because you guys love this, and I... Don't even really like it, you know, upon right. the notion of us reviewing it. But I I don't connect to the majority of the cast of this. It, it, the, you know, the lead guys. The majority of the cast is low grade yeah. acting anyway, you know, so I, 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 I understand. I don't, care. I don't care I about that. It's adequate. Right. It's not, you know, anything fantastic. Victor Wong and Donald Pleasance right. are the, you know, and my yeah. Jesse Ferguson, in my personal opinion, are well. Alice Cooper was good. No, <laughs> I mean he he's, he didn't do on. anything. Come on, <sighs> come on, come on. I, all right, all right. He had okay, zero. I'm sorry. He had sorry, zero lines. Is my review. You're okay. sorry. You're wrong. I'm, I'm so sorry. Alice Cooper didn't have a good part. Anyway, <laughs> the priest and the professor are the fucking yeah. The the reason to watch this. Uh, that's my biggest gripe with the movie, I suppose. I mean, the story, the effects, the subtleties, and the scoring, and for the first time understanding this thinking man's horror movie, as Matt calls it. Thank you. Huh, made sense to me. So, I did I did go into this viewing wanting to like this movie. Pining for the high regard that you guys have given it. And I'm like, okay, okay you know, I'm going to really give it my full attention. So, with that said, i got to admit, I, I found what I was looking for. I found what you guys see in it. In my opinion, oh, thank <laughs> okay. Christ! Thank, thank Christ! <laughs> and it, it really increased, yeah, my my enjoyability. 
So I'm it gonna, really increased. Yeah, really, but I'm telling you, before I was at like a like a three point five or a no, four out of ten. I, I, I didn't like this movie. Was dude. he that low? I don't. He was ah. criminally low in my opinion. Look, I looked at my IMDb rating and okay. I had it at a four. Okay. Ooh, out of ten. Out of ten. <sighs> okay. I can proudly say I'm not a seven out of ten. My Sad. man, damn! You and join the ranks. I like it, brother. The best I can go. <laughs> Dude, I, but I do like it now. I, I, I mean, do we, like it, and I will rewatch it. Like I found things I appreciated about it. That that's didn't awesome, before. Dude. That's cool, man. Because I mean, it, it th- this is this is a complex movie. There's a lot of things happening in this hour and forty two yeah. three minute runtime. I yes. feel like you can't miss a sentence of dialogue in this movie. That's that's the troubling thing about it is that I felt like you really have to be focused on this movie. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So yeah. you would agree with the assessment that it is a thinking man's horror film? Because of the fact that you have to have 100% yeah. concentration, yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Is it just because of the of the, of the, of the religious aspects and no. scientific? No, I just... It's, it's kind of boring. I mean, if you're, you know, easily distracted anyway, okay. this movie's easy to okay. get, you know... If you're looking for quickly. gore and kills and stuff, this is this is not your movie. No, it, you get that, but it's not in a way. It's not to the degree. Of what I'm you not get looking with, like, for gore and kills, but yeah. it just this it does have a lot of religious, scientific. Like there's a lot of fancy talk. <laughs> okay, for you know layman's terms, it's there's a lot fancy of that. Talk. Okay, at the beginning of this movie, yeah. and you really have to pay attention to it. Because they're all, you know, geniuses communicating here. And, you know, it takes a little more. It is a thinking man's horror for that reason. You've got a more intellectual conversation happening. All right. Yeah. But, yeah. Nice. Seven out of ten. King of the Road. Awesome. Can't certify it, but it's it's gone up a lot. Hey, that, I'm going to tell you right now. I think one more more rewatch on them. No. After this (laughs) review. Might get the stamp. I might. I think we might. Get the stamp. I don't know. I really. I don't think I could take <laughs> if it. If you sat down better. with us and watched it, I think I could push you. <laughs> I'll eight. tell you this, man. The fact that you you have this movie where you do now versus where you did before, that is a completely respectable score for this movie. Yeah. It really. And is. I'm proud of you. I, I have your eyes on it, man. A little I, bit. I, me too, man. Seriously, because I. You know, I know we like what we like, and you yeah. know we have uh, we have our own personal you know things that we tend to gravitate yeah exactly (laughs) and uh yeah this is this is yeah we we take a little detour with this one the premise is awesome though it's it's a great story yeah it's a great story yeah all right man seven out of ten from the king hell yeah man my man right on hell yeah proud of you brother i'm a fan nice but it is the beginning of the decline or the end of the good streak yeah okay well man this score is amazing. Uh, like I said, it's top five somewhere. I, uh, it's hard to just give a definitive. That's why I hate top ten ratings of all time and shit. It's, I wonder if he's so definitive. I don't mean to cut in, but yeah. I, don't, I wonder if with the score, if he didn't riff off of what he did with uh, Assault on Precinct 13, because that was really similar in the way of the pacing of that scoring use. It was in it a lot, and it was hmm. you know it was a repetitive kind of. Thing and hmm, that's Maybe. those are two movies that he did do that a lot in. 
know. Just a thought. You don't have to make me go back and watch. Assault. Yeah. Yeah. It's not mm. one of his top movies. I never thought of that. Uh, it's good. It's, it's, I mean, it's low budget, but I mean, it's a, it's a gritty movie. Yeah. No, um, watching this movie, I know, I, I, I feel that, I like that idea better, you know, that society is, you know, just finally shit itself. Now is the time for the rise of the devil and everything, you know, it's almost a safe bet, you know, that the devil could get in without getting dealt with too much. Yeah. Um, Carpenter, it, it's a it's a bold move to clash religion and science together, especially in the eighties. Um, you know, people were really sensitive. This is the Reagan then, era. You know, uh, you know. I remember they were. Well, I don't remember, but I know that they were a lot of groups that were against like D- Dungeons and Dragons. You know, just the occult, anything like that. Really? Yeah, absolutely, dude. Yeah, Yeah, they were just against Dungeons and Dragons. Absolutely, shit like that. You know, so I so this kind of premise of a movie, I could see why people would steer clear of it. You know, because people don't like religion getting messed with. Carpenter likes to turn the screw, man, and that's and that's probably why he had a lot of trouble with studios. If you know, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. But kudos to him for making it. It's fantastic. He did a great blend of it, and it's very elegant. Like I said in the in the beginning, <clears throat> um, Donald Pleasance kills it. I mean, he gives pay the man Pleasance. how much do you need for f- four days of work? C- cut him a check. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> perfect. Victor Wong, great right. ad. I liked him better in Big Trouble in Little China. I agree, but, but I he do had like a bigger role. Yeah, you know, I'm, but I mean, he's second leading man in this movie, mm-hmm. but the roles are very diverse in this film, you know, because there's so many scientists. There's a lot, you know, that are participating in this event, you know, yeah. with the apocalypse. Um, it's a cool way to introduce, you know, the biblical aspects, the hobos. It's cool to have Alice Cooper there. I, I would like to have a little more interaction, to be honest, um, with the hobos. They were just kind of there. Yeah, I, get I feel it, like they were an guardians. Kind of. I don't think the budget was there. Well, you three know? million. I mean, right. I think Carver didn't want to make uh, Cooper Satan, so he was like, "Look, we're just going to add this <laughs> new part where we've got uh, street walkers, and you're going to be the king of them. You're the king of the bums. Yeah, it'd be like king the Hobo. Pied Piper king leading his rats <laughs> into the city. You're the Pied Piper." Yeah. Um, but speaking of the effects, when mm. you know it is applied, practical effects, man, it's at parts it's cheesy. But man, it's bit. it's I that's perfect cheese for me if it if we're going to classify it as cheesy, you know. But it it kills in certain scenes. I agree, especially the the Kelly scene, you know, with her transformation and everything into the anti god. Carpenter's practical effects are great anyway, but a bad practical effect wins an argument with a good CGI effect any day of the week. You're yeah. here, so absolutely. Yep. Um. That mean that being said, man, this movie comes in an eight for me. It's an eight, eight. out of ten, dude. Wow, Carpenter, nice. it's Carpenter hit for me. I mean, quad quad a mass 
But quite right. a mess. Quite a mess. Quite a mess. Because there's no R right there. You know? Quite a mess. Quite a mess. I just think this is a well-crafted, smart, sophisticated, as I've coined, the thinking man's horror movie on a modest budget. Carpenter was quoted himself saying that in regards to this movie, it died a swift death in theaters, but it found life, like many of my films, on video. Here, here. And it wasn't a blockbuster hit. I mean, it did turn a profit, but he's right. I mean, it found its audience on home video and television in years to come. I think that this movie's biggest flaw is when it came out and when it did, and it was more or less just passed off and passed over by audiences. This one makes you think and dive deeper into the mind and what your beliefs are. And all the while, it's kind of terrifying in the process. It's really scary. It's creepy. It's unsettling. Um, I enjoy this mix of all this quantum physics, math, theories of relativity with religion in this. You know, like you guys have talked about. I love that computer scene, man, when she's trying to translate the text. It's creepy, man. It's just fantastic. Because that book had been translated like... Time and time and time again, you know. Yeah, it's hard to you know that that it's lost languages, you know, when you're combining with it with What's computer a- algorithms and everything, dude. It's really cool, you know. Yeah, and then when it, you know, obviously what the text reads, right? It's fucking badass, dude. Right. It reminds me of back when I was a kid playing Zelda, and you had to get the book to translate the exactly scribes <laughs> on the hell yeah, dude. Before you could enter the level, yeah. Now, to me, this is just Carpenter ahead of his time in. Just, I mean, that being most said, of his movies. If Carpenter made this movie, say, 2010-ish, how do you think this movie would represent? Like, do you think it, he would... I, I, I could see it being a more developed story, but I think it's not going to be that grim gut punch that right. this one is, you know? I just don't see it having the effect that this one did. You In 2010, know. they did try to make it a found footage movie. <laughs> you think? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah maybe. Yeah. Uh, uh, that would be terrible. <laughs> I don't think I could do that. Yeah. Not in that kind of enclosed, um, you know. That's a tough sell for me. For the whole fucking movie, you know, because then you're getting like resurrection and shit. And <laughs> no, we're not talk about that. So. No. <laughs> but yeah, like you guys said, I mean, this was this was a ballsy choice for Carpenter to make his comeback to horror. I mean, it was bold. It's different. And I personally, I like that Carpenter went against the uh, trendy slasher craze of the '80s of the time. That oddly enough, he helped create. Yep. You know. Gotta change it up every once in a while, man. right? Uh, of course, having Donald Pleasance here in this—I mean, it makes my soul happy. Victor Wong is so underrated. He—I I, just—I absolutely love him. I loved him in Big Trouble in Little China. He—he's one of those actors that I kind of feel like he's kind of—he's endearing. Yeah. Like you just—you uh, want to—he's—he's that grandfatherly, wise. You just want to be around this guy and just learn what he knows, you know? You want to buy a gremlin look, from him. <laughs> let, me, let me look into your eye and see your soul. Jameson Parker's mustache better received extra pay during filming. Oh, all right, that's all I want to say. Nah, man, he was rocking that shit already, dude. 
No, dude, that's that's a good, that's a good mustache. That's a good mustache. He can probably do a Looney Tunes dance with that mustache, like, <laughs> with the piano music yeah. playing. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but there's some really exceptional scenes of uh, trippy creepiness, man. Like uh, the way the homeless woman's voice changed while she's talking to Donald yeah. Pleasance always creeped me out. Uh, honestly, any scene with her in it kind of creeped mm-hmm. me out. Um, she has. Uh, she might be the number two vote getter for creepy motherfucker in this movie behind Calder for me. I hear you, yeah, I'll be honest with you. She just makes me think of the Bird Lady from Home Alone too. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's funny. That's who I think of the broken bicycle kill from Alice Cooper was really cool. It was creative. Uh, like you said, Lord, the scene where Calder's trying to get Lisa's attention when she's typing, you know, all zombified out. The Wyndham scene with the bugs, like you talked about, King. Um, but yeah, uh, that neck slit scene with Calder and that laugh—I mean, that's just nightmare. That fuel. was brutal. That was, yeah. I didn't. I, like I said, I didn't expect that one. No. And he played it primo. It's almost like he—he <laughs> he realized what was happening to himself, and he just right, you know, shutting it down. The way this movie ends, it makes it prime for a sequel or even a remake. And apparently Alice Cooper even agrees. And he says <laughs> he wants to see more than just the anti-God's hand. But he wants to see the whole thing. Budget. <laughs> yeah, right. But like you guys already talked about, classic John Carpenter, Alan Howard score here. Carpenter is the undisputed king of horror, and he is the master of communicating and creating dread and fear and anxiety with his music and his visual storytelling. This is my third favorite John Carpenter movie behind Halloween and The Thing, respectively. Mm. I'm coming in high, not much higher than you, Lord. This is an 8.5 out of 10 for me. 8.5? I really enjoy this movie. Whatever flaws there are, be damned, it doesn't matter to me. What the story is, what Carpenter gives us, Trump's that it. score, it's just... <clears throat> there, this this is a juicy movie for me to drink in, and I, I enjoy this movie a lot. And it pushes the envelope. It does. It's a that. touchy subject, man. Super mm-hmm. touchy, man. I mean, religion and... You know, I mean, these things are, you know, controversial on their own. Right. You combine them. Jesus, yeah. man. But you put it together when people the way are you so did. taboo. You know, right. mixing it anyway. Right, exactly. All right, Hitchhikers, this concludes our review of Prince of Darkness from 1987. We hope you all enjoyed our in-depth analysis of this misunderstood and undervalued John Carpenter classic. You can find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast. Be on the lookout for new announcements and updates, and be sure to visit the King Art Facebook page, where you can find a wide variety of amazing artwork from the King himself. You can also email the show at nostalgiahighwaypodcast at gmail.com, and our Twitter username is at HighwayNHP. We'd love to hear from you hitchhikers, so hit us up. Join us next time for episode 36, where we will review the final installment of the John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy with In the Mouth of Madness from 1994. Next week, we're coming right back to you to complete this trilogy, so be on the lookout for that as well. A big shout out to Cody Jones and Sean Jackson for hooking us up with the intro and outro music for this episode. On behalf of the Lord Ketchum and Dave King of the Road, I am your host, the Mayor Matt Logston, and we thank you once again for hitching a ride along with us, and we'll pick you up next time 
out on the highway. We have no horror round weekend next weekend. Oh, yeah, sad news. That happened. So we need to let everybody know. Yeah, we won't be there because no one else. If you guys have ever drank a Corona in your life, you are at risk. (laughs) Right. And uh, it's just not good right now. So they're canceling Horror Hound. Or, Mm -hmm. no, they're postponing it, right? Dark Times. Yeah. When is it? May 22nd through the 24th? Yes. So guess what? Hitchhikers, uh, if you are in Cincinnati during that week weekend, we will be there. We'll be at the after party, uh, <laughs> whatever one that will be. <laughs> I don't know if Mick Sabbath is going to be there. Uh, I hope let's not. hope not. Like, yeah. uh, we've definitely time stamped this recording so that people know when we're. Yeah, coronavirus. Yeah, has struck. Yep. I need to get some Lyme disease and battle it out. Yeah. <laughs>